Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsperts.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing? So this evening we are going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, no, Connor is going to be doing a lot of talking. We're going to be asking a few uh, questions if we can get a word in edgeways. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to say thank you very much to all our Patreon people. Uh, Bren, have you got a, the Patreon? I can never remember it. Uh, it's www.patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. That's www.patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. Patreon.com raw pet medics. Audible and Apple and Spotify. Any other Spotify training, teaching, whatever. Lots of podcasts. Podcasts yeah. that you listen to. Uh, you should be able to Lots also find us. Yeah. It's a, it's a little buzz having a look on Spotify and seeing you there with 50 episodes. It's like, oh, that's, I can't believe it. Like, it's hard to believe. It's, I don't know why it's, it's more, it's, it's just something. I don't know. It, it, uh, it always impresses me a bit. Let's get into Brady. Go for it. So, Connor, give us a little, a, a, a brief rundown of your, 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 your first early years. You can choose how, whether that's your first five years or your first 21. But just give us a little background because I think we, we, over the, over the, Last couple of years or so, we've heard a few, a few stories, but just give us, just put it all together so we've got a little bit of foundation there, if you would be so kind. Okay, brief what as brought you What brought you here? That's the question. What yeah. brought you here the early years? I think, uh, you know, always into dogs, always had dogs uh, from the day I was born. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it, for me, like, we always had dogs in the house and I was always very kind of attached to them. I always did everything with them. Uh, so they always followed me to school, followed me to the shop. There was always those sort of stories. So I was obviously fairly attached to these dogs, the youngest of five boys. So at least somebody was talking to me in the family because the other four brothers, you're fighting for attention. So you can get it from the dog. And um, yeah, so that was just, then around 11, 12, I was clearly not the, not the easiest of kids. I think I was just a bit rambunctious and slightly challenging. And I've carried that with me to today. I think my mum said, you know, this kid is being a bit of a, of a, twat and then let's let's just put him somewhere that he's useful what do you want to do and i couldn't think of anything we ended up driving me she drove me to an animal shelter every saturday morning uh I sat in the car for two hours while i worked in the animal shelter picking up poo and doing all the stuff you do in an animal shelter and within about six months the animal shelter started paying me a very small amount of money a fiver you know and uh so anyway i did that for a couple of years and that was the start of meeting dogs that i adored seeing them coming in and coming out not getting adopted that kind of started leaving its mark and meeting the vets and uh, meeting my dad's mate, who was the head man in the Department of Agriculture here in Ireland for 33 years, chief vet for 33 years. That would never happen anymore. Uh, and later uh, kind of saved my bacon a bit. But uh, so that sort of stuff was was my youth. And then uh, clearly I wanted to work with animals. And I'd say I probably would have done veterinary if I got the points. But I, I kind of realized by fifth, sixth year, I couldn't. Um, I just couldn't do languages. I had too many languages on my thing. I'd chosen wrong. I'd chosen what my mum probably wanted me to choose in, the, in, in school. You get, you get to choose your subjects. I, if I had my way, I should have done, you know, things that I can make, you know, I, that's what, I thought it would have been ideal at that. Anyway, 
I come out of leaving search and I went into science, which is what I wanted to do after probably after vet. I don't even know if I put veterinary on my course. I don't think I was confident getting near. Got into science, did science. And the first two years of science are absolutely pat. So, so hard. Just subjects I did not want to do. Straight into chemistry, honors chemistry, which I hate. Straight into maths, which I'm okay at. Botany and geology rocks. And I was like, mother of God, is there no animals in the science category? And so that first year was hellish. The second year I had to keep kept. So like I was just going from being what I thought was I was an A, a student in the A class and all sort of stuff. I knew I was bright. I think I was uh, just not able for some of the other lessons that I wasn't interested in. I couldn't focus on shit that I didn't want to do. And that was my problem. I was like a little bold kid in those classes. Never went to them. Never saw the point. But by third year, fourth year, you start doing the animal stuff. I imagine it's the same with veterinary. You start getting into it then. It's like, oh, this is cool. And then uh, um, as I left the degree, I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? And uh, my, I was getting on very well with a supervisor there. And he said, look, there's a, there's a PhD here waiting for you. And you'd be good at it. It's horrible. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's, this, what's this doozy of a project? And he goes, well, nobody else will do it, but we can get you in and out nice and quick if you'll do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, what is it? So it was the diet, studying the diet of, of the deer in Phoenix Park, the, um, the effect it has on their behavior and dispersal patterns and gut morphology. You track them through the seasons. A lot of pulling, a lot of dead animals, pulling them out of the side of a roadside, bloaters, pulling out the guts, bringing them back to the lab. Hard or job. One time I did it on a bus, and I'm not exaggerating. I went on a bus from Phoenix Park to UCD with a bag of stale guts. So uh, tough uh, project. And uh, you might ask, why did you do that, Connor? Well, I don't know. Like, I, I love, I, I knew when why I was in single? Why were you single? In my little gut room. And you could see, like, people would just look in and go, oh, you know, it's like, uh, it's crap. Literally. But, um, but that's, that's like a year or two. So that was, that was hard, hard work. But, you know, I wasn't afraid of that. And I kind of had my eyes on the prize, which was I did want to come out after three or four years. And I finished in three years and a couple of months, three years and four months, fairly quick. And uh, so I got it done and got it written up. And next thing I know, I'm coming out with a PhD in, in animal behavior. And, and I'm like, right, who wants me now, guys? And it's like, nobody. There is, there's no positions for, for you. So you can study yourself into these holes as people with PhDs can do. They spend 10, 15 years in there because they don't want to come out because there's nothing for them if you've, if you've been doing. But that's when I started realizing, I started getting a couple of, um, having chats with people and they said, you're thinking about your project wrong. It's the discipline of the, of the science more so than anything else. It's like problem solving. It's, it's everything else. So I thought, okay, I, I remember banking that from a really influential um, uh, um, mentor I had in second year unfortunately one of my friends passed away and this mentor I was dropping out of science hated science and this mentor stepped in little did I know and I had a chat with him I said look I need to leave the course I hated this uh, but he kind of forced me to get to the end of the year and I failed a couple of the subjects and I repeated then at the end of summer and then I started getting back on track and, and everything else but he actually came to my parents my family shop and my dad's gone now but my family shop just four or five years ago, just checking up with me to say, uh, is Connor still around? What's he doing now? And they said, yeah, he went on. He did, got, did his doctorate. He's got this business. And they're like, oh, my, he was delighted. It was not nice. His name was Hubert Fuller. But like those little things kind of got you through. I was very lucky. But he was the one who kind of told me about the discipline of the, of the science of it. That's where I fell in love with the, with the process of investigating something. It sounds incredibly nerdish. Can't believe I'm talking like this, you know, 20 years on. But it's such a buzz. It's such a buzz with an issue, a question. And it's like, why do, this is the project, this is going to sound so boring to a lot of people, but there's an awful lot of nerds on here as well. We're all animal nerds. That's why you're listening to us. But uh, why do male and female deer live separate during the year? 
because group living animals, you're, you survive longer in a pack. The bigger your group, the safer you are, because it's going to be somebody else that buys it, not you. So why do male and female separate? And they cannot pin it down. I know. Oh, geez, I hope not, because I'm after spending four years trying to get the answer. And the answer is, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because lucky, lucky for them, they haven't invented matrimony in the, in yeah. the, in the dear world. Excellent tax system. But um, so, yeah, this, this was interesting, was it because books were aggressive or was it because of diet or whatever? And then you can look at other group living animals. Anyway, I found it fierce interesting. But I particularly like the idea that everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got a hypothesis. OK, eat less, move more. That's a hypothesis. OK, but when you test it, it doesn't really work out. It's not theory. A theory is like concrete. We've tested this hypothesis every which way from Sunday and it holds up. It becomes a scientific theory. But like eat less, move more, or eating fat makes you fat, or eating car eating fat gives you pancreatitis and all the other bullshit that we've been told. Um, you know, when you test them, it doesn't. So I love that. I love looking at everybody's ideas and then you have to put yourself in their shoes and listen to that. So that's been enormously helpful for me when I'm looking at questions that don't seem to have an answer out there, or what do dogs eat? And it's like, well, I don't know, but I can look at it from all these different perspectives. So that was the start of it, really. And I joined guide dogs, a job, a job in guide dogs came up. There's no need for questions tonight, by the guy, by the way, guys. You can just turn off your cameras and mics if you want. So feel free if you want to yeah. go off and do well, something. Well, we noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I have already. I went away to South America to find myself for about three quarters of a year and uh, didn't. And then I came back from South America and this job turned up in guide dogs. And I thought, perfect, because I was, obs I was always obsessed with dogs. But I tried to get a doctor doing dog stuff all around Ireland. I couldn't build those doctors are not available. And uh, it's particularly for a non-vet. And so this dear project, anyway, got went into guide dogs as a, as a pup supervisor, looking after 40, 50 pups at a time, which I adored. That was like nine to five puppy immersion, getting paid for it. Amazing training. You can get your own dogs for the first three months. You're just in the kennels and living with these dogs and that kind of stuff. But you don't get to train them at all for three or four months. You're just following the trainers. Man. So training was just brilliant. Top, top trainers. Really loads of theories. It was fantastic. And uh did that for two or three years in, in Ireland, looking after about 50 families at a time, training the pup up for the first year of life, training, showing the family how to rear the dog. And these dogs were strictly diet controlled. You have to feed them these bits and pieces. So when you added something in, you could really see the difference. So I started messing around with that, reading the books, uh, learning from, you know, um, some of the top vets and seeing, I'm sure, some of Nick's stuff and Bill and Hurst and Lonsdale. And by the time I went over to Australia to do guide dogs, I knew this was the way to go and fresh and raw was creeping in and I was taking some of our itchy dogs in Australia, fixing them with fresh food, going, look at this. This dog was in the vet 13 times in the last year. Now he's not at all. We're a charity. This is a big saving. Then we, we meet Brisbane Guide Dogs. We changed 200 dogs from dry food to raw food. And uh, in the newspaper, I would read it's like 82% savings in vet bills. And I'm like, what the fudge? I was like, this is astounding. So then I'm talking to the CEO of Chris Lane I'm like this is incredible the change in behaviour the change in the ability of the dogs to train just the stamina on the dog uh, the rejection rates were falling like but the health of the dog was so much better win across the board I don't need scientific studies after that I'm a good enough scientist to realise that is a quality uh, kind of anecdotal testimony she had nothing to prove nothing, to, no money to make by telling me that if she was the leader of a raw dog food company she said that I'll go mm, maybe you know but when you're just uh, in guide dogs then uh, Anyway, she had a terrible, terrible end. They, they got rid of her and reinstated the dry food when uh, three or four years later, which must have meant their veterinary bills went up. Then I ran back to my superiors with this Brisbane thing and this whole raw dog food seminar that I was, uh, I'd started in Perth. And uh, he, he, I just showed my superiors and they're like, yeah, no. And I'm like, I just gave you three hours of presentation and look what oh, this 
forward thinking guide dog organization four times bigger than us is doing and uh, they're saying yeah no we've got a good good deal with the dry food company so we'll just stay with them now i know what that deal was and it was barely five figures barely five figures and i'm like you're choosing that on a population of dogs when i'm showing you the savings i'm showing and the vets were not on side so and i thought well that's what got me and i thought i'll show you and that's when i sat down to write the book and that was the start of me going head first into raw dog food gonna say is that what that is what started you you thought i want to show you i'll show yeah. you yeah yeah that's yeah, what it is look at you i'm yeah. gonna show you yeah. wow I'll, yeah okay. i've got a big streak of that in me i don't know what that is or where it came from but it's like uh i don't know i think i'm fiercely loyal and i think when somebody you know does something like that it's not a quick kind of snap or revenge or a punch that's never going to come for me it'll be like i'll show you you are wrong and you are uh, and I think everybody needs a bit of that if you're doing something as absolutely horrific as writing a book like the one I wrote, which is another PhD, uh, essentially, you know, and, and to do that at the same time as trying to, I'm going to go back to Ireland and make raw dog food. And hats off to any raw dog food manufacturers out there. That is one dog shit job. That is hard work. Very, like people don't appreciate the effort that goes into running that factory and keeping it clean. And particularly in Ireland when there wasn't any raw dog food companies, there's only two or three in the UK. And I'm standing in like a football pitch and it's lashing rain. I'm going, well, there's like some ground up fish in a tube. And they're like, what? No, thanks. I'm going, okay, it's salmon. It's very good. Uh, nobody wanted it. And I was like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. I've spent 50 grand. I got 50 grand from the government. And I'm, you know, I'm in there at three or four o'clock in the morning. I'm in tears. Like, it's just hard work making this stuff yourself because you don't have the money for the staff. And then got it on TV. Started doing well. So, uh. But that's a hard business, lads. Keeping the vets happy, oh, you know. Wow. Um, what, what, very what was that like? Yeah. Dragon's Den. Come on, give us the inside scoop on your Dragon's Den experience. Because they've had a few food companies on, pet food companies, haven't they? Over they have, years. yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Put in a Box were on, weren't they? Something like that. I think Put in a Box and a few others got their money. Pure, um, Pure got... were on. At, at oh, yeah. Point. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's a few, yeah. few people that have been on. Yeah, I think a lot of people would use it as it's a great advert because you're getting, you know, in Ireland, Ireland's only five, six hundred thousand people watching it, but in Britain, you're getting you're getting a couple of million people watching the show, so it's a it's a great ad. That's free advertising as long as you do okay. But I'd already been doing uh, seminars and stuff for nutri- nutrition and health and stuff, so I was well versed. And for a lot of the questions that they their questions were useless, but they edited it to make you look a little bit unsure at times and like. While I would have stumbled here and there, the bits that they made me stumble on, I was like, I had a great answer for that. And that's the bit you make me look. So, but look, they kind of they kind of flagged they were going to do that. But uh, I was coached before I went into it by someone that won Dragon's Den beforehand. And she just said, heads up, here's the tricks. Here's the crack. Here's how many people actually take the investment in the end of it. You know, it's TV. It's not business. It's TV. And so, you know, uh, if you say yes to the investment, you're going to get on TV. And I'm like, okay. But uh, the bloody dog. I, I, just, I wanted to bring on a Great Dane and I wanted to bring on a, you know, a 90 kilo, 95 kilo Great Dane. I wanted a show winner Great Dane. So I knew all these dogs. At this stage, I was supplying the best dogs in, in, in Ireland. And this girl, Caroline, had this stunning uh, Great Dane, can't remember his name, black and white kind of markings on him. Just be- big and beautiful and a pig to eat food. So no matter what happened, he was going to eat the food. Anyway, he, he gets sick two days beforehand. And I'm like, oh, my God, well, I'm going to have to use my own bloody half-wit dog. Actually, no, Dougie wasn't around. Who was it? Uh, I can't remember. So I'm thinking, oh, my God. Hey, another eat spaniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no spaniels, all right? So uh, she goes, oh, her sister will come on. His sister will come on. Also amazing. So great. Her sister comes on. She's beautiful. She comes up the stairs, and you're really well trained. And they're all like, oh, my God, look at that dog. And impressive, you know, even though she probably wasn't eating food. 
Oh, she goes. In fact, all those dogs were raw fed, but whether they're eating my raw dog food is a different thing because that would have been when you own four or five Great Danes, you're not feeding them complete raw. Too easy. That's a that's a serious boo bill. So uh, dogs walking down the stairs and Gavin Duffy says, uh, go on, show us we're eating the food. And my food had been sitting out with the lights at this stage for about three or four hours. There's loads of people watching. There's loads of cameras. And it's like, I'm saying, this is no place for a dog to eat. Dog's not going to eat there. Do you think you, do you want to eat a big steak supper at the moment? I don't. I said, no, no. So I'm saying, no, 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 no. 10 or 15 minutes of no. And eventually, because he kept pushing me and he was the guy I wanted, I said, all right, all right. And I gave in. And I said, Alan, bring the dog back in. And I'm looking at the dog walking up and I'm going, my God, I've never seen a dog less want to eat something in my entire life. She gets within about half a meter of the ball. She just kind of smells it for a while and just walks off. And the, everyone in the cameras were just looking at each other going like, that's gold, you know, that's going to be. <laughs> so that was on repeat on the, you know, and the dog didn't eat the food. And I was like, oh, shit, it was so embarrassing. But uh, I kind of didn't really mind it that badly. I kind of knew it was going to happen. I thought they'd put in me fighting a little bit, but they didn't. I was like, come on, bring the dog in. And I was like, oh. And, uh, but then, yeah, so then we, you go through the whole rigmarole and, uh, and Grant answered our questions and got, got in. So how would, Connor, how would you draw a line there for from, from that point? So you, you've, you've been in business, you've had good times and bad times in business, you've had uh, Dragon's Den, good times and bad times with the Dragon's Den. How did you get from that to this, to what you do? What are you doing now? How do you make your money now? Yeah, so I was this manufacturer and I ran into a classic business issue, which I hadn't seen coming ever, but people tell you about it, that your cash flow is king. And so I'm getting busier and busier. And I'm making really high quality raw dog food, the food I want to feed my dogs. And I'm trying to help people and spending time on the phone and just trying to stay at the front end of your business. But I was slowly getting sucked into the back end of the business, making the food and all the stuff you're not supposed to be doing. You're either out the front of your business doing your thing. If you've done iPet or you consider yourself a canine nutritionist or you've got this, the love of the subject, you shouldn't be in there making your product. You should be out the front and there should be somebody else doing it because those two things are different worlds. I took my eye off that and I got sucked into the stress of keeping the business going and my cash flow bottomed out and it came into a very big difficulties of trying to meet wages and all the things you've got to expand all the time. You constantly have to buy freezers, there's breakdowns, the van's broken down. Oh man, it was so stressful. So uh, I actually went sideways, got somebody else to make it and then I stayed out the front of the business. That was a lesson learned to stay out the front. I was told that, don't get into manufacturing. Don't ever, if you are one of us, like one of us mad dog nuts, and you can promote it and sell it to people. Don't go into the back of the business, get it white labeled. So that was the first, that was advice I didn't take. It was really good advice. If you consider yourself in manufacturing, you're happy to do that bit and you have uh, Bren or Nick or Connor that can do the stuff for you, well then that's okay. But anyway, so I came out of that business a little bit disillusioned because I kind of thought I was going to be the biggest raw dog food thing ever, but I just couldn't get paid enough for the food I was making. I wasn't going to make on pure carcass and crap. So it was just, I just, it, it just got too difficult. And from there then, really, like, I, I tried to work for a while kind of promoting a raw dog food company, like where uh, you, you there was an Irish company here that was making it, and you try to do a bit of that for a year or two, but I just wasn't happy doing that. It's very hard to, you know, criticize dry food companies and their hoodwinks and their sponsoring of this and that when you're trying to be with another company, you know. So, but you have to pay the mortgage. You, there has to be, I believe in raw dog food, so I don't give a damn. Like, I'm going to choose the very best raw dog food company and ask them, and always will. Like, so I'll happily work for you. So, you know, I, I only want to promote outdoor organic, outdoor reared birds and, and that kind of stuff. That's the sort of stuff I like. So that's why I gravitate towards some of those outdoor kind of companies. It's just the way I, I do it. But it's hard to live without doing something like that. You know, it's kind of, 
it's hard to run any society on nothing because the people need uh, you, you need something you need to be able to pay the bills and not paying the bills is just so so stressful so that was a couple of years and then after that I said right I'm going out on my own and I just started writing articles learning how to write my articles better and started designing these few supplements that I have you hear me talking about them all the time any then for teeth cleaning and biofunctioning for good health so that with writing for us writing articles for people and uh, that kind of stuff doing consults doing seminars you just about keep the the walls from the door but uh, it, it helps very much that your that your wife has a job because the the income for me was like this for the last you know i come out of college skint never had a bean in college into guide dogs three years four or five years of being paid and after that i've just been broke for a lot until the last maybe two or three years things are starting to kind of calm down now and i've got my my three or four revenue streams that would be supplements so i've got my supplement range that i like i co-formulated with a guy that i work with and uh, so we've got a great business relationship where he makes them and i'm at the front kind of promoting the stuff that i believe in these things work and money back guarantee and all that stuff i know that that stuff's kind of works i do some consults uh do some kind of writing and now i've got the webinars moving slowly onto the the website so i've got three or four little revenue streams that now keep me fully independent so people don't realize like when they when they go and, and as a client i need to start selling this better to them where it's like I will happily be an independent researcher for the rest of my life, free of any industry influence, if that's what you, you guys want. But I have to make money. I have to, make, I have to pay my rent. At some stage, I have to be paid for the doctorate that was horrific and the horrific pet food manufacturing and all the other crap I've done. I have to get paid for that soon. A solicitor or an accountant would have been paid for this from the time they were in college. And I'm still trying to make, you know, so people don't understand that. They want all their information for free, but it's very hard to, to convince people that. So I'm hoping with the webinars, I'm saying, look, guys, Every time you pay that and watch this high quality independent information, it just frees me up to do another one and another one. And I'll pick any subject and I'll go and do it. It doesn't matter what. I can look at bloody talcum powder and I'd be able to produce a decent, uh, as long as I can pay the bills for the time to produce it. So that's what I see for myself in the future. So, uh, all, the, yeah. so all that time you were writing the book, you were going back, yeah. researching it. I mean, because I know that you, you're a perfectionist when it comes to some of that stuff, that you were going over it, crawling over it, writing it, rereading it, writing it again. Um, you even got me and Nick to have a look at it. I don't know why. Oh, uh, <laughs> just, awful. you know, so, so what, what probably were, how long do you feel that process went? Get, let these guys know how long that book was in process before you actually managed to get it published. Um, uh, 10 years. 10 years is the throwaway figure. Okay. 2020, I started in 2010 on an Australian Mac that I had. And uh, I, I was one year in Australia at that stage, I think, uh, 2006, 2009, I was, God, I was one year in Australia when I realized my superiors weren't picking up what I was putting down. So I created this raw dog food seminar in Perth, which is the first time it's ever been offered to people in Perth, a pet nutrition seminar. And can you believe the people that sponsored Murdoch University, I'm just going to leave the pet food company out, but one of the big ones, uh, they flew in the head person from their head nutritionist from the UK all the way down to Perth in Australia and they put on a seminar half the price of mine two days before mine can you believe it Ooh. and they hit the same people I did and they said afterwards you can take a, a tour of the insert pet food company premises in the veterinary department and I just somebody a breeder said heads up Connor check out what they're doing and I just straight away put that up online and said this is my first online thing where it's held it up going Look at this. You can have a core of the pet food company's veterinary department premises. Isn't that something? Enjoy yourselves, guys. So they had a crappy little turnout. I had a really good turnout. Look, 150 people or something came to mind. Really scary. 
and the bloody rep walks in. Lovely girl, lovely, dead on. She walks in, shakes my hand. She goes, just to let you know, I'm somebody, somebody from Insert Pet Food Company. And she sits down in the front row. And I had to do wow. my seminar for the day. Hardcore. That was my first lesson in, wow. ooh, this is, this, is, this is darker than I thought it was. This is, this is hard work. So I, start, I just thought, there's, there's dirt here. And so when I started looking into the dirt, the very first thing was I fell into Lonsdale's website, uh, Billinghurst and Lonsdale, the two natural vets, Australia doing what uh, Brian and Nick are doing over here. So, um, and uh, that was the start of the book. And then 10 years later, uh, that book nearly ruined my marriage. I'm not messing. Because Lane could never understand anybody that's outside of that sort of stuff. Can't possibly understand the level of shit that goes through, like trying to find one paragraph on something. And it's like, I need to read up everything on this and make sure that when I say there's no studies supporting high use carbohydrates in, in dogs, I need to know that's true. It's only one little paragraph in the book. Okay, the carbohydrate chapter is huge. But it's like, okay, do I understand diabetes? Do I understand what I'm talking about? Do I want to mention that? Everything. And that's like getting you out of one shape would be a year in every chapter. And it's like never ending kind of pothole. So I loved it. And if I was on my own, I probably would have sat there. Or I, work, I work at nighttime. If I'm writing anything, I write at nighttime, eight, nine o'clock. So now I get the kids to bed. But I could be up to two or three. And then I'm up again at seven with the kids. So if you're trying to do any sort of creating, uh, that's when I do it at nighttime with a glass of wine. I come downstairs at two o'clock in the morning. My head is buzzing. I can't sleep. And I'm like lying there for an hour. So I've been working very hard. No doubt you guys have as well. But you know how it is when you're at the your business isn't quite settled yet. So you're just putting everything into it to, to get it to a point. Somebody asked about the revenue stream, the books. Yeah, absolutely. The book was grand. It brings consistent, nice little, you might send, sell uh, 10 or 20 copies a day. But because I didn't sell it to a publisher, I used Nick and Brent and everybody else that would talk about it. And I, you know, if it's good enough, it'll sell. So as opposed to like, you know, um, uh, you know, if you sell to a publisher, they do everything and you get this massive spike in sales and it peters off and it disappears a little bit. But mine's a factual book. And so it stays in content. You've got these canine nutrition courses are all recommended. And so, yes, it's a nice, now you're getting paid for that. But if you think about the amount of man hours that went into that, again, you'd be a many years trying to get that back. But it all, I think more to the point, that sort of book kind of, makes you makes people the people are always impressed by it oh you've got a book you know so i'm proud of that that i got that done but do, do you think that that has been rather than it being a revenue in its own right it's a it's been a good stepping stone for improving all of the other things that you've done um do you yeah. feel that it has promoted you in other yeah. spheres yeah definitely you get more more opportunities pop out like can you hear of habib's opportunities from forever dog they're completely different to mine uh, but you, it does improve things. Like you can, you can put up these dorky, horrible ads, which I'm doing on Facebook at the moment, just learning. And you're saying you're holding the book going, you know, top rated on bookauthority.org. You know, and it's just like, it's, it's just fucking Irish and English people hate doing that stuff. We are very bad at promoting ourselves. I don't know what that is. You know, you know, with the Americans, it's like, good on you. Go on, go you. Get, you know, get that car and go. And I don't know, I feel like Irish and English people are kind of like, yeah, don't get above your station, you know, just be a bit there. So it's very hard to hold up a book and kind of point to and go, oh, I did that. It's awful. But you have to keep doing that and keep it in people's heads. They have to. So there's a bit of that going on and, and learning that end of things. But I actually like the science of that sort of stuff. You can run a little ad and say, look, you know, this is the price of a dental clean and this is how much candy then costs. It's no brainer. It doesn't clean a dog's teeth. They'll give you your money back. Simple. And it's interesting to see that that works because so many dogs with dry, uneaten dry and crap need something like that. So it's like, yeah. So there's something to that. So having the book kind of helps. I was like, hey, he wrote a book on this. He... From the point of view of, do you feel that you've seen a market shift towards your supplement 
for instance, with having the book out compared to where you're at? Or do you think that if you look at your graph that that was going up anyway? Yeah, like things are limping along. I used to have a really busy website. I used to have about 300,000 people a month, new visitors coming to my website. That's serious. You can make really good revenue from that. So if I like, buy, look, you've got pancreas pilots and you say to people, look, you need to add in some pancreas into their diet. Nobody can get pancreas anywhere now and then. And if I said, look, dry pancreas will do the job. Add in a bit of dried pancreas. Where do they get dried pancreas? Well, I might as well link to the person that has the dried pancreas. And then I'll get 3% of that sale or 4% of that sale or something if they buy it. So three years ago, I kind of thought, great, I can actually write for a living, write engaging articles. I was topping Google, number one on Google for itch and kidney disease at one stage in dogs. Like topping all these other websites in big, big, uh, and people are eating up. And then four years ago, Google changed their algorithm and said, yeah, we're not going to do it that way. And now we're going to do it this way. And my traffic just starts going, all the natural websites would say they got it in the back. And, uh, that information is no longer welcomed. But that's what the people were picking up. They were loving my info. And then it's now I'm down to page two and three. And so you do a bit of work myself and Karen's helping me out as well. And we, you have to kind of get Google back on side. So when you're asking about the supplements, a lot of the supplement sales come from people reading an article on meaty bones or gum disease or something and then saying, okay, this product actually might work. And look, don't forget, I wrote the book. I'm not bullshitting you. I do know what I'm talking about. So that's why the book kind of helps. You can kind of get it there. But then, I think it all adds up together a bit and doing this, doing RPM, just being seen to be talking about stuff. You know, I don't even have to be knowledgeable beside you guys. I just have to not make a fool of myself, really, and and just ride your coattails for a while. So, like, it's, it's you know, lucky, lucky now. Um, but, uh, yeah. So so just as, we, as we're coming into the last, uh, the final furlong here, Connor, any, is there anything you want to say? This is, this is your program today we'll probably do the same thing next year i would think if we're if we're spared but anything anything you want to leave us with any i mean you if you could please give us some top business tips in patreon yeah uh, after we finish this show that would be really really good so that's something to look forward to so if anybody's interested in patreon we go to patreon forward slash a few medics etc yeah. but um just any final final thoughts final words philosophy or anything that you, 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 you comes to mind oh god no i wish Any. i had something prepared for this um not really i think um i think it's difficult to be in this job this is a tough gig to be in it's a you know only only 200 natural vets turned up at the natural vet convention in the u.s and i think that people are uh should and this is going to sound quite conceited but people find it I see this as really valuable information. I see what we're doing as really valuable. And I think the temptation yeah. today is that people kind of want everything for free. And really, people don't really understand the cost of things. And there's a reason why bullshit information does so well, because there's loads of money behind it, marketing and nonsense, and they pay the right institutions. And I think that, uh, you know, supporting kind of uh, natural vets and people that are doing this kind of stuff is a really good thing. Like, and I'm, it's going to sound like a, a terrible slap, but like, you know, even with Patreon, like, you know, the price of a cup of tea, you know, you're looking for per month from, you know, if we got it from 2% of our followers, we're getting 10, 20,000 views every video. We'd be doing grand. Uh, it's very hard for people at the moment. I get all that, but it is hard to do this and stay on top of the information coming in and reading the studies and stay independent. People want the information from an independent, but it's, it's hard. It's hard graph to get to where we are. And I know for every one of me that is now a canine nutritious non-vet who doesn't have the 
the the um the steady income of seeing clients every day you know so as a vet you at least have income coming in you don't have to worry that your kids aren't going to have a new bike or something so without that it's very hard for someone that's a non-vet to make it to this point and working with dogs natural health so it's really really tough for every one of me there's 99 people out there stressing their brains out trying to do it it's hardcore so i just think uh i don't know what the point is to that i just think it's it's just it's hard to kind of um a tough old gig you know it's it's tough trying not to bullshit people and joining some dry pet food company and making loads of money and you know that 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 avenue is there for me but you know you don't do it but uh so i don't know what the bottom line is to that but i do think about that now and again i think about some people run themselves into the ground doing this sort of stuff and it's hardcore you know trying to uh, yeah, half of it is trying to help people, but now I'm thinking I, I need to make a business out of this at some stage. My wife is going, oh, well, God, this is like you know, you're a few, a few years in, uh, you need to be able to buy your own shoes at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. I just, uh, I think, I think we're, I'm suitably poor, and I've done the poor thing for long enough. So it's like, give me loads of money now. I don't know what my point is. It's just it's hard graft. Well, you know what? I think you do it with really good grace, and you do it with. Uh, I, I like the way you write because it's 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 very factual and it's, and, and you don't pull any punches, and it's 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 fun. Yeah, it is you know, rewarding. It's, 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 it's is definitely lively rewarding. and it's yeah. fun. And yeah. you know, you'll f and blind here and there a little bit yeah. in a very kind of Irish way, but it's <laughs> yeah. very charming. And I think you're getting the message across in a really fantastic way. So yeah. Uh, yeah, um, that is rewarding. Congratulations. Well, but done. there you go. That's good. Good. Good on all of us. You know, it is definitely rewarding, yeah. though, isn't it? There's a there's a bit of a buzz. It is. It's yeah, yeah. It is fun. I wouldn't be doing it. I promise you. Whatever you paid me, if it wasn't fun, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so listen, let's let's say goodnight to everybody just now. We're going to jump over onto Patreon just now, and we're going to just uh, grill Connor for five ten minutes on just business, business, business. A lot of people coming onto Patreon who are from the from the uh, raw feeding business world, the nutrition business world, and we're trying to maybe uh, get everybody together and start thinking about. Um, uh, coming together, being strong, working together. So, how, how does that sound, is guys? It, and if you want to know the answer, yeah, if you want to know the answers to, are there more questions of about books and what he's going to write and what uh, we might or might not write? Join us yeah. over on Patreon yeah. because that's where he's going to. Don't forget, guys. Any small producers, any small shops, any small businesses looking for a who shop. I don't care if you're a groomer, a trainer, it doesn't matter. If you've got a little bit of a story or you're doing something cool or you're making a funny treat or something, anything you think that is kind of interesting, send us the message. Let us have a look at it. And at some stage in the next two or three shows, we will prep it and we'll pick two each and we'll give it a little bit of a push in a show in, in two or three shows. We'll give your we'll give your company a push because everyone's going to need it. So send in your, your messages, PM your messages to us on Patreon or even on Facebook. And but keep it short, 100 words, 200 words, why we should give you a push. We'll pick two each, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Great stuff. Do the barricades. See you guys, guys soon. Take it easy. Take care. <laughs>